Firstly, I just want to apologise to the listeners for not uploading yesterday. I was uh, attempting to finish my dissertation chapters for my lecturer to check ahead of the upcoming meeting. Welcome back to my podcast. I am David Terry and you are listening to So Wrong It Is Right. As you will most likely have guessed, I have not prepared for this topic or this area of the podcast at all. Uh, So we are just going to look at my dissertation question which is Why is there subject of wellbeing premium in the voluntary sector? Our main sort of a topic area that we'll be looking at is in regards to why people choose to work in the third sector as opposed to the private sector and what possible values that could be accompanied with the choice of working in the third sector. So hold your hats and here we go. Firstly, I'm still working on this research and because it's not published, I can't officially give away too much of my data ahead of the publication date, which is sometime in January. Therefore, what I'd like to look at in more detail is the actual values that the first sector possibly bring and the community, uh, the community outside the workplace and the community inside the workplace, which is obviously known as social, social capital. Uh, obviously that is the links that you have with your co-workers and links you have with your managers. And obviously the links you have with the shareholders, if that is any, and obviously the value chain, which is attached to obviously your working position. Uh, obviously, I don't want to give away obviously, any of the interviews that I've had. Obviously, a lot of them are focusing on how supported they are by the line manager and how much support they get from the colleagues. Uh, obviously, that is one of the main themes that appears to be coming out of the research at this time. Uh, obviously, my thinking when I started this was to do a comparison with the private sector uh, and to compare the sort of our themes that were coming out. Uh, I was told at the time that that was a question for a PhD student and obviously that I couldn't go ahead and do that. However, it would be good if somebody listening who has any experience of doing something like this, which is a comparison between the third sector and the private sector. Uh, if they could drop me a voice comment and just let me know what they're thinking, what the sort of a comparison showed, if it's been done, and uh, yeah, just generally, if there is any sort of a crossovers or if there's any massive differences between the two sectors. <laughs> My obviously my thinking here is that obviously one of the main differences between the private sector and the third sector is that you have the third sector interface uh, and that normally comprises of a community based 
sector where the third sector can come together to discuss issues, to discuss problems, to look at the wider sort of implementations of government policy, etc., and uh, obviously contribute towards the actual running of where it be the city or where it be the wider policy objective of the Scottish Government. Uh, obviously one of the areas which I was directly involved in was the People Power Health and Wellbeing Reference Group, which was the direct interface between the Health and Social Care Alliance Scotland and the Scottish Government's uh, joint bodies working group, a uh, joint bodies working act, which is obviously the collaboration or the networking of the NHS and the care sector in Scotland. Uh, obviously, that is where you will see quite a lot of overlap between the third sector and the public sector. Uh, obviously, that is no overlap in any of those two sectors with the private sector. Uh, obviously the private sector do in certain areas provide care and obviously NHS based services, however, as a form of government or government's interfaces, there is no interlink between the Scottish government, UK government and any form of private companies. So I think that interface and obviously the network between the public sector, private sector, is something that my own research failed to get to. It failed to actually identify them, obviously the main issues which were there or the main collaboration which allowed the public sector and the third sector to collaborate around bringing forward Acts of Parliament um, and obviously how that had an impact on the wider communities. Uh, obviously that was not from the lack of trying to get to that point, it was more just a case of a lot of the interviewees were hesitant, hesitant to go down that route and to discuss obviously what main interfaces they had with the Scottish Government uh, obviously, there is a few of my interviewees who comment on certain parts of the work in regards to what it is they were doing with the Scottish Government and obviously how the policy agenda links into the Scottish Government's policy and so forth. Uh, unfortunately, where I was more wanting to go was actually to the Acts of Parliament and how the Acts of Parliament structured the interfaces within the third sector uh, and how it brought together the wider community in order to provide a working group which would uh, obviously aid in the health and social care of society. Uh, obviously a lot of that what you see in society is around obviously people who have been segregated and marginalised. Uh, so that was where I would want to go. With those kind of thinkings, I, unfortunately my questions probably weren't designed in a way that actually allowed my interviewees to comment on that directly and I think that is an area where uh, 
future research could be done. Uh, I think there's something in the idea of the Trustees Act and how the charity sector in Scotland is governed. Uh, unfortunately, my own research failed to really get to the heart of that. And if there's anyone, again, who has experience of this area, obviously please drop me a voicemail, a voice recording, whatever you would call it, uh, or any other form of social media contact and actually let me know what your findings showed in this area. And overall, I think there's a premium that's come with working in the third sector and I think it's actually beneficial for people to understand what that premium is. Uh, it normally comes around about the idea of working towards a value system, working closely with the wider community, uh, working closely with colleagues, uh, with management and obviously with the wider first set of interfaces and with the Scottish Government and of the UK Government in certain positions. Uh, however, what came out quite a lot was the idea of job security. Uh, obviously that was published quite a bit within the Glasgow Centre for Population Health, Harcourt 2015 and from the Scottish Council of Voluntary Organisations who obviously mentioned a little bit about job security and obviously not having a long-term contract because of the nature of the first sector as it is. Uh, that for me wouldn't really be an issue or a barrier. Uh, obviously I have a willingness to work in the first sector and to jump from position to position. However, I think with the situation with COVID as it is, there isn't as much funding going into those areas. Uh, there's not much funding at all, really. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of econom economic downturn. Uh, and for employees in the third sector, I think that has raised an anxiety. Uh, Obviously, in the long run, we have to kind of be careful of mental health issues. Um, obviously, I don't want to discuss, again, any of my findings at this point. However, that is a suggestion that third sector employees who are new to the field may be seen the issue as it is and be turned to the private sector for job security. Uh, Again, obviously, I've been in the third sector voluntary for about 10 years. And if I was to obviously get a job in that area, whether it be doing research or social policy or whatever, uh, obviously, I wouldn't want to be looking to return to the private sector anytime soon, or if at all. Uh, however, I do feel as if there is a lot of anxiety that is focused around the third sector at the moment in regard to job security uh, and that is something that obviously the Scottish Government will have to look at. Uh, I kind of think what Covid has highlighted is that the funding formula for the third sector 
throughout Scotland is perhaps not totally robust and we do have to look at different funding formulas uh, in order to move the charity forward and for it to be sustainable in the longer run. My main thinking behind this of the podcast today was obviously first of all to explain why I didn't post yesterday and also to give some background into my dissertation and to explain my thinking around the third sector in Scotland and why there's a subjective wellbeing like why there's a subjective wellbeing premium when it comes to working in that sector. Uh, obviously what my research has shown and obviously what evidence from Glasgow Centre for Population Health and Scottish Council for Voluntary Scottish Council for Voluntary Organisations has shown is that it mainly comes down to a comes down to people's ability to work collaboratively with colleagues and with managers and intersectionally within different organisations. For example, you see a lot of collaboration between two charities when it comes to certain things, whether it's obviously health and social care or where it's just um, general play groups for children, for whatever, you know, so a lot of interconnectedness being put forward in order to support the why that is a subjective well-being. That is that obviously employees have the ability to work outside their organisation and to invest in the wider community. Obviously that was a lot of sorry, oh, there is a lot of evidence to support that within the psychological frameworks and how actually working outside of your organisation to influence the wider communities can promote power or help so promote power or subject of wellbeing premium. And obviously that is one of the things that obviously I was trying to get across in this podcast and will obviously probably get across in my write up of my evidence based for my research itself. One of the things that uh, obviously has also come across in the evidence and has been there I'm sure before 2015 which was highlighted quite a bit within the Glasgow Population Health Service and within the Scottish Council for Voluntary Organisations Service is that there is an anxiety around job security. Um, I don't know how you remove that anxiety. I think it comes down a lot to funding and to core decisions. Core decisions, I mean, the core staff. Uh, I think it's probably incorrect that we are employing people to do short-term projects within the company. Um, I think there's an issue for sustainability in that. I mean, can you maintain the staffing levels who want to work in the third sector if they only know they're going to be employed for 
whatever amount of time they are probably for within that contract or project. Uh, obviously my own research kind of showed that your colleagues who are coming into the third sector, if they're only employed for a certain amount of time and obviously with COVID hanging over them, then they return them back to the public sector, sorry, the private sector in order to get job security. Um, so yep, that is where we are with the third sector. It's where we are, where I'm thinking in regards to my project. And obviously where we go post-COVID is really going to be up to evaluation. Oh, thank you. This one is a special thank you to the listeners in Israel. Um, I can't actually say how happy I am about having someone in Israel actually listening to my podcast. Uh, obviously, when I started this, it was more just to try to get my voice out there and obviously see if there's any sort of a support for me publishing a book into my lived experience of someone who has been living with this long-term side effects of cancer since I was four, going on five. Obviously, that involved having a stroke around about the same age. Uh, obviously, that didn't hold me back. Uh, I have worked since the age of 17, uh, and I've got two undergrads, and obviously focusing on my dissertation for my master's degree. So, obviously, that obviously my condition hasn't really hindered me any. Uh, obviously I have relied quite a lot on technology and quite a lot of perseverance in order to get to where I am. But I would just really see if there was any support for the publication of a book. Uh, so to actually get people in Israel uh, also, and the states and Germany has been a few other ones. So there are people from different countries actually interested in what I'm saying. Is uh, a little bit mind blowing. So thank you for listening. Obviously, thank you to all the listeners in different countries. And I look forward to recording the next podcast, which should be back to the Wednesday. Thank you.